one of the things that Madhavi told me before I came to the US was, uh, Kritika, don't shut yourself off to new experiences. And, and I'm saying this to you because you have the tendency to do that. You have the tendency to lock yourself in a room and think that all work will be produced inside this room. But if you don't engage with the world, then you're not going to be the writer that you want to be. Welcome to the YF Podcast Season 1 where we bring you exclusive conversations with YF alumni about their journeys of transformation and impact. The Young India Fellowship is a -a one-of-a-kind year-long postgraduate diploma in liberal studies at Ashoka University. Ever since its inception a decade ago, the YIF has helped young individuals explore diverse areas of study and practice, discover their passions, switch career paths meaningfully, grow further as a working professional, and create sustainable impact to solve problems at the core of our society. All of this while belonging to a global community of fellows. The sixth episode of this season brings together two alumni who went on to create careers as professional artists post the YIF. Kritika Pandey from the class of 2014 is a writer and a graduate of the MFA for Poets and Writers from the University of Massachusetts Amherst. And Sumedha Bhattacharya from the class of 2016 is a dance artist who is an Erasmus Mundus scholar and a guest lecturer at Columbia University. They will be in conversation with our host, Dr. Pramod Raj Sinha, who is the founding dean of the YIF and founder Ashoka University. Hi, Kritika. Kritika, where are you right now? Hi, I'm in Northampton, Massachusetts. Okay, wow. It must be beautiful in the fall there right now, right? The colors, or is it already too late? Well, we had our first snow yesterday, so it's oh. <laughs> it's fall is already officially over, but uh, yeah, it's still pretty. Lovely. And Sumedha, where are you now? Well, I am right now in Delhi. You are in boring Delhi like me. <laughs> well... I'm really looking forward to this session today. I'm I'm a big fan of both of you, and uh, so I'm I'm really here to listen. Uh, and therefore, what we decided is that we would change the format a little bit uh, for this episode, and we are going to start with Kritika reading from one of her works. So, Kritika, over to you. Pick up a passage that you like and uh, read for us. Thank you. The Great Indian Tea and Snakes The girl with the black pindi knows that she's not supposed to glance at the boy in the white skull cap, but she does. The boy moves restlessly on a stool as he cradles a cup of chai in his hands. The girl has flavoured it with cardamom at no extra cost before swallowing the leftover pod so her father won't find out. He is the mustachioed owner who cleans his ears with Q-tips at the cash counter. The girl looks up from the boiling contents of the saucepan, pretending to notice new customers, while examining the contours of the boy's stubbly chin, the kite-shaped birthmark on his neck. He mostly watches the speeding vehicles on the road. Once in a while, he meets her gaze and his ears turn crimson. At such moments, the girl and the boy realize that they must immediately look away 
but never stop noticing each other wherever they go. It is September. Hawkers appear with baskets of tomatoes. They are overpriced but surprisingly red. The girl's father asks her to buy two kilos. They would keep tomato chutney on the menu until tomatoes become wholly unaffordable in the winter. She squats at the water pump outside the stall to wash the tomatoes, facing the boy, gazing at the stubbed toe sticking out of his sandals. He's one of the few customers who prefer eating keema samosas to aloo samosas, but it is the least of the girl's concerns. Their stuffings are somewhat different, but the girl makes both types of samosas with the exact same batter. They are the same thing unless one absolutely wants to differentiate which most people do, including the girl's father who has strictly warned her against eating keema samosas. A chilly breeze leaves the girl covered in goosebumps. Why does it have to get cold? She says to no one in particular. Seasons change, says one of the men sitting next to the boy. They are daily wage laborers who ask for alu samosas with their chai, not keema samosas, never keema samosas. They carry grimy shovels and miss no opportunity to talk. Because this is how it is. Because this is how it's always been. Because the earth moves around the sun, says the boy. The girl breathlessly punctures a tomato, then washes the red mush off her fingernails. She has never heard him speak before. A man eyes the monogram on the boy's shirt. Go to school? He nods yes. The girl's father had pulled her out of school after a couple from class 10 eloped to Mumbai. The man chuckles. I went to school myself. Now I shovel cement and sand. Later that night, the girl can't stop wondering if the earth really moves around the sun. Why had no one told her that? Who was making it move? She sits up in bed and thinks about endless fields of cauliflower and tries not to throw up like she has to do on the giant wheel at the fun fair. Dreams take over when she falls asleep. She grabs the boy's stubbed toe as they fly off the face of the earth. I wish you could just read all of it. It's uh, <laughs> so, so beautifully written. Uh, when I... Uh, when I first read it, I think it just it just seeps into you, and uh, I'm no critic or I don't have words to describe it. But the way you've woven so many many themes into a very short piece of work is what I thought was outstanding. So this won you a prize. Tell us about the prize. Thank you, uh, Pramath. It's really good to be here and to to be talking about. Uh, my journey so far, and and everything else. The prize that I entered for uh, with this story in um, 20, this was last year, around the same time, is called the Commonwealth Short Story Prize. It's an annual short story prize that um, essentially is among people who live, who are residents of the Commonwealth countries. And you can submit in many different languages. They don't necessarily cover all the languages spoken in the Commonwealth countries, but they have a quite a good mix. And so I wrote the story in English and I, I submitted it in the English language. And a few months ago, I 
was uh, declared the global winner of the Commonwealth Short Story Prize. They have regional winners and then they have an overall winner. And the judging panel is really one of the most like eclectic um, sets of writers that you could bring together on this planet, really. Every single uh, year, the judging panel is extremely impressive. Um, and so, yeah, I think the deadline for this year's Commonwealth Short Story Prize is tomorrow. Can you submit again uh, another story and, and compete? Um, yes, I guess I could submit again, but uh, I, I don't really have anything right now to submit again. And it, How long did it take you to do this, to write this story? Honestly, this is going to sound like bizarre, but I wrote the story technically in three days because uh, maybe maybe it was already in my head. Some of the characters were in my head for a long time, especially the girl with the black bindi. The, she's the kind of girl who sits on a park bench and tries to fall in love as if love is something that you can will yourself to, to do, as if it's a physiological process that you can accomplish by sheer willpower. And I just think that that was in my head the whole time. But then when I was, um, when I was uh, one summer in, in 2018, I was in my parents' house in Jharkhand. Uh, then I heard about the lynching of the Braze Ansari and I was extremely shaken and disturbed by that incident. And that was like the real impetus for me writing this story in this framework and like putting the girl with the black windy in this particular story. And yeah, and then after that, I came back to Massachusetts and um, I wrote it in three days. I have to say that that image of the... Uh, the the little dhaba uh, is so quintessential Indian that you just draw uh, you know the, the reader just becomes a person eating eating samosa and chai and watching all of this unfold. It's uh, very beautifully done. Do you think this was your highest moment in your in your journey? I know you've been on this quest to be a writer. Would you say this is the yes. the moment? Yes, I would say that this so far this has been the moment. It's because I mean I, I've I've written paragraphs and sentences and 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 stories even that I have um, liked probably more than the story. But you know, as a writer or the writer that I am, I've always looked to connect with other people, with readers, and this is the story that has allowed me to do that the most. So I do think that this is so far the one story that I'm the proudest of. Can I take you a little bit back in history or as far as you want to go back? When do you think you first became aware that you wanted to be a writer? And maybe you can talk about the journey from Jharkhand to YIF. If we come back to talking about a somewhat boring compared to what you wrote uh, topic of talking about the YIF, but that's why we are here. Let's go back in time. I became aware that I wanted to do something with text, uh, reading, writing related quite early on because I was very um, text oriented in, in the way I learned and expressed. And, and I was um, in a family which is not necessarily um, very scholarly. And so I kind of stood out because of that in my own family, because there were these family settings in which I would be reading and then people would be like, yeah, what is she doing? This is this is really odd. And so I feel like people constantly pointed it out to me and I became aware and self-conscious of it at a certain point. 
and then you know uh, as i became a teenager and then like just like started having my own identity i realized this is one of the things i do this is one of the things i introduce myself as oh i i i read that this is the book that i've read recently what have you read uh it just became my identity in that sense and my parents were more than happy to allow me to have that identity because it's considered really erudite that she reads and write but also because it really would just keep me off the streets like i i wouldn't step out of the house i would just stay at home and read the whole time and they were more than happy because uh, we were in jharkhand and um even like standing on your balcony or like taking a stroll on the terrace like is extremely fraught like people talk about it and my parents would get phone calls that your daughter is standing in the balcony for the last 15 minutes so i just feel like growing up in that environment um was uh, was was quite a challenge and especially because i was very restless and i had a lot of energy and i i'm an obsessive person so i constantly needed things to engage with um but yes as you know my my parents thought that the right thing for me to do is to like formally pursue engineering um like most aspirational middle class parents and that's what i ended up doing and i went to bit mesra which is uh, 30 minutes away from where my parents live and uh, it was initially i was really bummed out because obviously i wanted to get away i wanted to go to a different state or something because i growing up in jharkhand you always think that you have to get out but then i ended up in bit mesra and i realized in hindsight that i learned a lot about the culture of jharkhand the the indigenous people because it was uh, in the middle of a village called mesra my college and so it was quite the experience being there and uh, i was const- i felt very alienated it, at college because i was reading things and writing things that i couldn't necessarily discuss with anybody but i feel like those years really cemented my relationship with my work because i realized that i'm going to continue writing even when like i don't have a support system like this is that's how important it is for me to be to be writing um and uh, i also i feel like i figured out certain things about the world and myself and how i belong or don't belong in certain spaces and and how i make sense of that um while i was at college and then um i had a blog and one of the readers on my blog uh, suggested i apply for yif so I've, i've never met this guy before ever he just leaves a comment on my blog post and he's like i think you should apply for this fellowship did you um, meet him you know, later yes and then i now we are friends i oh, ended up what? meeting him later he works in the indian armed forces oh wow yeah and so i ended up applying, applying for yif because of this person and then i discovered that uh, two of my seniors from college uh, already went to yif aaron and alpana and so i spoke with them and i prepped for the interview and then i was in in delhi for the for the interview and i was very nervous because i i didn't know what to say I, honestly i've never been in an interview like this before where somebody is paying so much attention to me so that interview was a, a wonderful experience with this interview was with pramath and um, i learned a lot from the interview itself and uh, 
then uh, i was pleasantly surprised to be to have been accepted to the young india fellowship and um, nobody at home really understood what it is and they were like what they were like we are going to keep asking you what this is and what you're trying to do with your life because you seem to be losing track of things and um it it was difficult because i feel like i'm this first born child who's always felt the need to please my parents and always do everything they wanted me to do and be a good girl so going to yif and like making the decisions to like this is the subject that i like i'm going to study literature and the world because this means so much more to me than something like statistics and i'm going to learn statistics and economics etc but i'm also going to know what matters more to me how to divide my time and how how to prioritize so for the first time i wasn't studying all subjects with the same level of attention and enthusiasm i was okay, take a hold um, off uh, hold off on the wife uh, hold off on the wife experience uh, right. uh, let's hear a bit from sumedha okay. on on her journey you were not always a visual artist you were a dancer and talk to us about that journey and and how that happened and the yif happened sure sure my mother was a dancer and i uh, saw her dancing first i think it's uh, i think the visual element sort of comes from a lot of seeing maybe her dance and her students dance her teaching and um, she put me in a traditional space jaipur gharana kathak under a guru shishya parampara setting which was there for almost 17 years i was dancing performing that that culture that is surrounds uh, the learning of you know traditional form dancing was just happening without much of thinking it was a lot about perfecting it was a lot about getting on stage being viewed by an audience and you became an engineer too you couldn't fight that uh, force yes again you know that was uh, as kritika was saying like that was like one of those ways i think because i guess there was no way in which we see uh, creative disciplines taking shape like there is no discourse around creative um, particularly from dance perspective i could say there no nothing like that so perhaps we just knew that oh you have to do a technical degree to feed your passion so that was the only way out in a way and that what led to surviving the engineering for four years <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but in even during the engineering i was like all the time like making sure that at least the administration in the university agreed to me dancing every weekend going to my guru and i'm going to go i'm going to dance <laughs> how did you find out about the yif oh my father always knew that i did not belong to this engineering discipline he somehow was the one of the most uh, integral people to actually find and browse uh, for this course and like he's like you have to go there actually you know after you just show this degree to us uh, this was a secret uh, talk which <laughs> not in front of my mother as well but like you just show the degree then you move then you move to this uh, yif um, thing and i was very intrigued because this was more like a an escape for me i i i found like oh, this could be an interesting way to explore my cre- uh, creative journeys i was just super intrigued by the course when i saw it so did the yif change you in any way because you were a dancer before and you're a dancer after i think i was an engineer but i 
probably was not, you know, like when I was not good at it, you know, I was knew that I was not good at it. And I still uh, want, was looking for a way to, you know, find my, like, how do I, how do I start writing about dance? Because I'm writing never, I was still a very dumb engineer. I never wrote, I was not uh, reading at all. I mean, around what's happening around the world. So YIF was that wonder like space, you know, it was like this, it was like my playground for me to explore whatever discipline I would like to go into, like to talk to another discipline. For me, it was never, I did not know how do I talk to another discipline. Um, but these kind of things, uh, to able to be able to write around dance or around how I felt, it was it was incredibly helpful. I mean, <laughs> I, I perhaps did not know what it would be giving me, but I was I was really. Um, you were saying that you did get introduced to the camera for the first time as well, right at the YF. Yes, exactly. I mean, I was definitely using the camera before, but as an amateur, just like you know, taking photographs. Um, just photography in general, but in YIF, I think the first course that we had, the art appreciation course, uh, was the first time I got to know history of photography, moving image. Uh, the like in uh, uh, Professor Anunay Chauve's class, he was introducing us to the whole culture that surrounded photography. And then, of course, there was another course, Sanjeev Sanjeev Chatterjee's visual communication which was where I held the camera and I was having the utmost fun. It was just amazing to, to be able to move around, wander around Delhi and uh, shoot a film. But also a lot of seeing, like even this, this film that you see um, was drawn from, from a course, uh, Culture and Communication by F. Matthews. And I was introduced to Iranian cinema there and I had no clue about Iranian cinema before. I had no clue about any cinema before. I mean, how to watch a cinema, how to read a cinema. Yes, so the visual practice of looking or weighing of ways of looking at, seeing at uh, anything, any discipline sort of changed in the YF. So the interdisciplinarity, the visual transition to also visual, you got to really experiment. Kritika, you were starting to talk about your journey to now becoming this author. You were already blogging, so you were writing. So how did the YF help? I think what YF did for me is like clarify the kind of writer that I want to be. Because there were many different kinds of writers that I was already reading, considering that I did not come from a family that would make distinctions between Dostoevsky and Chetan Bhagat. For them, everything was, she's reading a book. And so I came to YF and realized that these are the different ways in which I could become a writer. And these are the different um, like themes that can inform my writing. And one of the things that YF did to me was like really like opened up like my world in terms of sort of teaching me ideas of social justice, which I did not think that I would be somebody who's passionate about any of that. But I feel like when I'm writing literature, like I'm always thinking in terms of being the socially responsible uh, change maker that we were all supposed to learn how to be when we started off in YIF. And in YIF, I, I sort of developed a fascination for history and sociology um, and all things psychoanalysis related. And uh, 
for the law, I mean, I couldn't explore as much as I wanted these disciplines while I was in YF because it was uh, it was just a year long. But uh, Anu, I remember, kept saying that YF is education for life, and I remember I I can feel that right now because I continue to remain curious, um, and I continue to also like develop new interests. So, for instance, I feel like my interest in film studies really informs my writing. I do some interviews here when I talk to writers and when I have to teach undergraduates, and so I will invite writers and I'll interview them. And one of the questions that you always want to ask the writer is, "So, what what kind of music do you listen to, or what kind of music did you listen to while you were writing this book?" And I feel like people say like Mozart and and all of these kind of fancy um, sort of musicians, but for me, like Bollywood, Bollywood music inspires me and informs my writing. and i feel like it really comes from learning the relationship between bollywood and shakespeare from madhavi and gill and uh, realizing that the connection that i feel with this pop culture phenomenon is so nuanced and it it has so many layers to it so i feel like there is a there is something bollywoodesque about my writing and i hope it continues to evolve and it definitely comes from um, being in yaf and being in that environment where i learned to not stigmatize uh, all, all things pop culture and you gained a fair bit from what i remember through the mentoring and the relationships you built so i mean so you know we had this uh, mentorship program in yaf where we had to give names of three people that we would like for for them to mentor us and i remember like i'd given my names already and then we had uh, madhavi's first class and then i went to whoever was responsible for this taking in the names and i was like i need to change my list i need madhavi menon to be like number 1 on my list of people that i want to mentor me there was something about her energy you know i just feel like when i was in her presence i could feel like i i admired her so much and i feel like for me like being in the presence of powerful women is something that has it's always been part of my life because my mother my grandmother they were my grandmother was a very very powerful and fascinating woman with her so much personality and i feel like when i met madhavi i had some of that sort of i remembered my grandma and i like my mother and all of these women that i've constantly been surrounded by except madhavi also like exactly understood what it is that i wanted to do what it meant for me to want to be a writer coming from jharkhand having this engineering background and she was encouraging and so she she reciprocated my um admiration and uh, the the she reciprocated like the affection that i had for her and that really turned into a very um long and beautiful relationship where she um supported me in ways that were believable in that she would not always say yes this is great she would also like point out things that no but you know kritika this is this is not making sense what's going on here and i feel like i knew that when she gave me a compliment it was real because she also critiqued me throughout and um, i definitely needed that i i needed somebody like her that i admired so much to tell me that i do have it in me to be a writer and um that's uh, that's been one of the most beautiful things that i took away from from yaf um and i continue to to draw a lot of strength and inspiration from that relationship 
we'll come back to uh, some more of that journey but sumedha uh, so you you are in the yif you're discovering all these things and then your dream of going to erasmus mundus comes true so talk about that journey and what that has been like and what are you up to now sure sure uh, i think that erasmus mundus uh, thing would not have happened our masters program would not have happened without the support of an immense uh, friendship that happened across the yif during the time uh, the friendships that the, the the kind of energy that you know when you get um, from people around you who uh, when they see oh there's a letter of motivation that we have to write okay there's they're, they're going through these um, checks and re revisiting of them uh, it couldn't have happened uh, without the support and the celebration of that i guess everybody was like i even more than me i think everybody else was excited for me to get into this particular program so i would definitely uh, would say that one of the things is vibes friendships that they have continued to be one of the things that i really took from yf and transitioned with to erasmus mundus program post yf there was a lot of acceptance from my end to uh, invite disciplines to understand other disciplines you see that there is something that is possible and and why if you see that and probably that is what i led to when i was also there uh, traveling uh, in this program i i was open i was open to different disciplines i was open to other forms of dancing and culture uh, so that that kind of a that kind of a nature um, i would say nature shift that happened it 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 really helped me during to get the most out of the masters program and i was traveling um uh, and then i guess coming after uh, the post the masters program is when i was the most probably uh, the most fearless in a way to experiment i am going to experiment i have been experimenting since uh, till the time i was there in the masters program to just because there was this attitude change uh, in me and of course then after coming back i was looking for different ways in which i can i can i can see my own uh, form which is kathak from a different discipline from a different lens so it's sort of a research began from the beginning when i came back uh, of my own self myself discovering this form and two years i took time to really play with this form through different residency programs um in in india coach coach international program um and then there was also flame universities residency program so there was a lot of playing around that was happening and this year was an it was an it was a really interesting turn for me to to come back to ashoka and teach what i was doing you know i was trying whatever i was trying to work with the camera and the dance to be able to share that as a course with a, with a bunch of undergraduate students who had previously no experience or majority of them had no experience in film or uh dance to be able to engage with that to create that curriculum it was a this year's been a uh, interesting journey to begin with as a part of this when the pandemic happened again things changed there was uncertainty a lot of crisis mode happened but again i guess getting back you know drawing from what i was saying 
the fearlessness, the experimenting, the curiosity that, you know, I just started an Instagram page uh, called Duet with Camera. I did not know there are other people who are experimenting all over India. And somebody just pops up uh, in, uh, in, in, in the page and says, hey, would you like to teach in uh, Columbia University? I'm like, what? On an Instagram page, this is happening. And that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, if, it, if I wouldn't have taken that chance to open that Instagram page of, uh, I wouldn't have gotten this uh, current guest lectureship at Columbia University. Building on what you were just talking about, uh, Sumedha, uh, what do you prefer as a medium? Dance through the lens of a camera or performing live, considering that you've been performing since you were five? Wow. They're two different mediums. Like performing live is a different feel, how you know the viewer engages with the performance. But also via the camera is a different feel. But if I reciprocate that is... I, I mean, if I re basically repeat the way I want to perform live to camera, then it will not work. So I have to find a way to introduce the camera and as a, you know, from an aesthetic point of view. I, I think for me, uh, both of them have their own essences and I, I like exploring both, you know. Uh, and uh, it all depends on what is it that you want to want the viewer to experience or sensations of the viewer to experience. I guess that's that's about. What inspires you deep down? What is the source of your art? Hmm. Something that really inspires me is um, is the fragility of uh, human beings in general. Like we have these. Um, pretenses of our masks that we we keep putting one after the other but i think deep down we are nothing we we are we exploring that insignificance is probably what i feel inspires me the most uh, to be able to to share that yeah kritika do you ever get a writer's block and if yes how do you deal with it um i think jerry pinto was visiting ashoka when he said that there is no such thing as a writer's block. There's only the fear of bad writing. And I like to change that and say bad according to who. And I, so this is what happens to me. Like when I think that I have a writer's block, what's happening is that I'm thinking this is not work. This is not good writing. And I'm, I'm fearful of continuing to produce substandard writing. But then, you know, I think I have to take a few steps back and I have to, realize, I have to start to kind of reassessing my, um, relationship with writing from time to time um, because my writing voice is very different from the voices of people that I read and I feel like that a comparison between my writing voice and say Zadie Smith's writing voice is not always useful I think so I just feel like it's good to for me like I'll go and read some Clarice Lispector when I feel like I have a writer's block broadly speaking um, because she will reinstate my belief in my writing voice uh, in my writing techniques because she's the kind of writer and thinker that really resonates with me but I also have these other things that I do for instance like I'll, I'll do something just out of the ordinary and bizarre and something different you know I'll, I'll stop writing and I'll go somewhere I haven't been before I'll, I'll watch a movie I haven't watched before or I'll just clean the house to like get into a different headspace yeah, one of the things that Madhavi told me before I came to the US was, uh, Kritika, don't shut yourself off to new experiences. 
And, and I'm saying this to you because you have the tendency to do that. You have the tendency to lock yourself in a room and think that all work will be produced inside this room. But if you don't engage with the world, then you're not going to be the writer that you want to be. So I, I constantly just tell myself to engage with the world as much as I can. This has been mesmerizing. It's so wonderful to hear some of your just inner thoughts and what you've gone through. Thank you very much for spending the time with us today and sharing so freely. Thanks for listening to this episode of the YF Podcast. Tune into the next episode for another exciting conversation with two YF alumni who are working on issues of social justice as doctoral researchers. The Young India Fellowship grooms socially conscious leaders and change makers for the 21st century. Follow us on Instagram at Young India Fellowship to stay updated about our admissions events and engagements. You can also check out our channel on YouTube for video editions of the YF podcast.